And we are back on the lift. Stay tuned for what might be our most exciting episode yet. Mike and I had an opportunity to further our tribute to Powder Magazine by interviewing one of its former editors, an amazing journalist, Steve Casimiro. So stay tuned. It's going to be a great show. Thank you for listening to On The Lift Podcast, a runaway dumpster production. Live from Greenwater Studios, this is On The Lift Podcast, your weekly show that is ultimately about skiing. This is the show that ducks the rope, earns some turns, dances in ski boots, poaches hot tubs, closes the bar, and still makes it on the first chair. Here's your hosts, two dudes who rip the pow, shred the gnar, and tell the tales, Lance Hester and Michael Gore. All right, we're on the lift. Our guest today is Steve Casimiro. Steve was the editor of Powder Magazine between 1987 and 1998. And uh, currently, Steve is running Adventure Journal, which you could find at adventure-journal.com. Check it out. Lots of great content there. Uh, you can subscribe to a quarterly print version of it as well. Um, so you can still enjoy, you know, the great curated content that uh, that you knew from Steve at his time at Powder. So uh, that's what he's up to lately. But Steve, thanks so much for taking the time to, to join us. We've been talking about Powder over our last few episodes. And um, we thought we'd kind of shoot for the moon and see if we could get you on the show. And, and here you are. And uh, just really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Where, so whereabouts are you these days? Um, I am in Southern California, South Orange County, Dana Point. Um, okay. I'm actually still in the same house that I was in when I worked at Powder. Wow. wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, like Mike said, Steve, we're, we're here, you know, kind of as part of our, our tribute to the print version of Powder that we grew up on, like quite literally, and uh, all it meant to us and so forth. But why don't you um, tell us a little more about what Mike Mike mentioned your your uh, adventure journal, um, uh, what you got going on there these days, uh, and how that's going for us? Uh, yeah, sure. AJ, uh, it came ultimately. It started with, um, I guess you would call dissatisfaction with kind of what I was doing elsewhere, or or not so much dissatisfaction, but I wanted to. Um, I was working with Nat Geo Adventure in like full-time freelance mode and had a great gig with those guys, a wonderful group of people. But, you know, from my time at Powder and also at Bike, um, you know, it's just different when you're running the show and making the decisions and you can follow your nose to whatever stories you think are interesting or important or your friends or readers want to, want to hear. And um, when you're working with somebody else, that's just not the case. And so um, I had all these stories that I thought were just really rad and and he didn't really want them and you would have been confident sell them elsewhere. And so I just started blogging and, and it grew from there. You know, I developed, um, I, you know, people who knew my name from my time at powder and bike and other freelancing gigs. And, and so uh, it grew and it grew. And, and then when NGA shut down in print in 2009, I launched AJ commercially and, um, uh, you know, started bringing in money and was able to, you know, pay contributors and, have it grow from there and then in in 2015 started putting the pieces together to launch in print and then we launched in quarterly in spring of 2016 and it all came out of um, a lot of the stuff that I, I had uh, the lessons I had learned when I was at 
powder about um, connection with audience and you know following your heart on what you think are really good pieces for an enthusiast group of people as opposed to what um, you know maybe sort of traditional large formatted magazines might uh, might do. Well, thanks. Awesome. That's uh, you know I've, I've been checking out uh, Adventure Journal. It's it's there's awesome content on there. Um, really cool stuff and a wide variety of of articles about you know kind of everything that touches the outdoors. Um, so very, very, very cool project. Uh, I listened to an interview that you did recently on the Intrepid Entrepreneur podcast with uh, Kristen Carpenter Ogden, and you know you were you were talking on that uh, interview about with with powder and, and kind of just with uh, content creation in general, doing something that sets yourself apart, you know, from the crowd, and then you know making that content to where if it were gone, people would miss it, and you know, that's kind of what happened with powder. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's off the shelves now. It's, you know, I'm, I've got my stack. I've got a box of them. I've, I've got the, uh, the nine, the November 98 issue right here. Um, that, you know, really kind of like punctuated at least in my lifetime, a real shift in skiing, but, uh, what, what is it that, that made powder something that we miss today? Like, I, I know that's a big question, but you know, is as you look back, what what were some of the decisions you made? Some of the editorial decisions, you know, that integrity piece that really made it different. Well, I think it starts with, um, you know, I know that content is the word of the day. Um, you know, it's everybody uses it, right? But I don't, and I don't because I think that how we the terminology that we use to think about, <laughs> I say I try not to, uh, the terminology that we use to think about these things that we're creating really matters. And so I, these are stories. They're, these are tales of things that happen out in the real world um, between people, by people, uh, exterior landscape, interior landscape. Um, these are, these these stories are, are you know trying to apprehend comprehend what we're feeling and why we do what we do and so that's really different than filling something up with content content is just so generic and i think the difference between now and then is that you know why we didn't use that word content we didn't think about these things as content and so what happens for a lot of media outlets whether it's a blog or social or whatever is that people are just thinking about filling stuff up Right. And they're thinking about, you know, however many posts per week or whatever, the story, TikTok, whatever it is, you know, there's thinking about stuff to fill. And that's putting the cart before the horse at best, you know, but I think if you're coming from a place of like, I'm so passionate about skiing or I'm so passionate about mountain biking or whatever it is that you have these, you want to share with your friends whom you may haven't met yet. You want to share with them these things that happen to you, these things that you're thinking and that was always at the root of, of what powder was about. And powder started in 72 in Ketchum. And it was, it was a bunch of folks who, you know, there was a real, I mean, it was the hippie area, hippie era, huge countercultural shift in skiing, you know, photo, red wine, you know, bag of <laughs> cheap gold, and, you know, let's get away from the ski area and, you know, go, you know, see God or whatever. And yeah, and chase first tracks. And it was, you know, it was a very, um, 
uh, you know, sort of opposite experience. And out of that, those, I mean, those people were stoked about what they found out there. And there was a tremendous culture around this alternative view of skiing. And those people wanted to share it. So powder was actually conceived as an annual, you know, kind of like this journal of like what these guys were doing, these folks were doing. And they were so full of the passion for that. They wanted to share with you. It was like, they were bursting with it. They couldn't, it wasn't enough to just tell stories of one another. They had to get it into the broader world. And that's really different from going, okay, I'm going to like do, you know, like a gear blog, yeah. fill it every day. You know, and I think it becomes from like this heart place. It becomes from this like soul place. And, you know, what's gotten more challenging now than certainly when I was there is that there's so many other media outlets, so many other ways for you to get your media and get your stories and see great photos that one, you, you know, you're, there's a lot of other voices out there that you're competing with, but there's the, the volume of gas content is infinite. Basically, there's so much ski stuff out there that the folks at Powder had, you know, they had to compete with. Whereas, I mean, frankly, you know, we were lucky. We didn't have to compete with that. We just sort of told our stories and our competition was, you know, skiing and skiing. And those guys were trying to do, you know, their mission was really different from ours. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. So, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit about Powder's history beginning in 72. And 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 uh, I didn't realize that its original vision may have been that it, it was going to be a, an annual. And uh, that's really, really, you know, really interesting to kind of hear the enthusiasm behind the opening days of it kind of speaking of opening days what was it like when you took the reins of powder what was it like when you you know were handed the the you know the editor crown so to speak and and um you know it's got this 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 deep um expectation of going deep i should say um the intros are just you know, they're, they're not just a preview of what this episode's or this episode, this issue is going to be about, but they're a narrative on what the latest is in, um, uh, in skiing. What, what was it like to, to kind of, um, you know, be handed that position? Uh, it was intimidating and it was thrilling, you know, actually, <laughs> actually thrilling. My, my personal definition of thrilling is it's like, uh, exciting plus, oh shit. <laughs> A sick version, <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> like, oh, oh shit. What, what have I got myself into? Uh, I remember like, okay, I have a six figure budget and I, I haven't even balanced my own checkbook. What am I going to do now? Um, but you know, the... So I inherited powder. Well, so when I uh, got hired at powder, my closest colleague and friend was Casey Sheehan. And Casey went on to, he was president of Patagonia. He, or before that, I think he was the president of Merrill. Um, Casey went on to do some pretty amazing stuff. Um, at the time, he was like the number two editor. And I was the number three editor. And, and that was basically it. And then Casey... Um, he sort of became number one and I became number two and then he got promoted to be publisher and he handed it off to me. They chose me to come in and, and, um, and run it editorially. And um, at first I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like you did a, you know, you did such a great job with it. He wasn't in the editors, didn't have the editorship for long, but you know, he did a really fantastic job with it. And, mm -hmm. and he said, well, if you don't think you can do a better job, then you shouldn't take the job. Right? Like if you don't have the confidence that you can improve on what I've done, then you're 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 basically the wrong guy. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's because I didn't want to like overstep my bounds. And I was like, okay, 
and I really started thinking about it. And, and Powder had had um, the editor, so two editors before Casey was Neil Stebbins. And um, Neil had a very distinctive editing style and a very distinctive um, perspective. He, uh, he and Greg Stump were, were uh, kind of shared some vision. Lots hmm. of in powder that was kind of funky and silly, you know, like space aliens and you know other <laughs> things in it. And how long around that? Um, and then um, you know, and Neil, uh, the editor, powder struggled for a little bit. I didn't. Um, she uh, she was she was a good skier, but I, I don't it was. Uh, I don't think she lived and breathed the powder experience the way other editors had. And so um, powder kind of um, went through a period of a couple of years where it, it sort of lost a little bit of that, um, that North star that it had. And so uh -huh. um, Casey was, Casey was the next editor after that. And so Casey, you know, telemarker, package skier, mm -hmm. uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, a bit of hippie in him. Um, you know, he really sort of got it back on track and then I came after that. And so, okay. um, and, and I'm not silly or, or goofy and, um, you know, I like things, I like my kit tight. I like things nice and neat. I, you know, I want to go deep, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. not really the chit chat. I'm, I want to, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm more interested in that kind of deeper introspective, you know? And so I felt like with powder, like my job was to, you know, kind of bring it back to uh, continue what Casey was doing, which is sort of bring it back to its roots, which was, you know, chasing the powder experience in, in all its forms, which is, you know, as, as you guys know, it's like, it's, you know, human powered often. It's going further, it's going deeper. It's, right. you know, embracing a crazy cast of characters. It's sort of, it's dealing with avalanches. It's sort of all of this sort of stuff. It's not yeah. as much resort skiing as it is, you know, on the other side of the rope. And, you know, I referred frequently to the original intro that the guys wrote for Powder, and I still do, which was about this this other experience. You know, it was not about sort of the normal ski experience, the resort experience. Um, so in some ways, my job, job was easier because I felt like I knew intuitively what that experience was. And then I just huh. had to figure out how to, you know, who are the writers, who are the photographers? How do we convey that? Like when you hand, when you hand, or hand something that has been like crushing it and winning awards, it's harder to maintain that. You know, right, when sort right. of like okay, like we we kind of like I need to continue what Casey's doing and like sort of get this back to the core. And if you have a good sense of what that core is, um, you know, it's then it's a lot of fun. Like you can make up a, a, a lot of distance in a relatively short period of time. So you must have sort of relied on. You, you said you're not you're not silly or goofy. Yet the magazine has always had a thread of silly and goofy to it. Was that something you kind of handed out to some other folks, or uh, were you part well, of that I, too? I, I do have a sense. Of, I do have a sense of humor. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and I mean, I, you know, I like I like bath I like bathroom humor as much as an extra year old boy. So, um, so no, you know, we. I mean, you know, we. It, it started before me, like if it, like the captions in powder at the time, or, you know, were often, um, uh, you know, try to be funny or clever or make a joke. And they weren't about just identifying what was in the scene. And I probably wouldn't have started that, but I inherited it and continued it. And um, so, you know, for years, 
you know, we continue to have, like, I mean, some of those captions were legendary. I mean, my, I think my favorite was, it was written by Rob Story and it was just a, you know, some picture of somebody trenching and the caption was Freud was right. A big dump does bring intense feelings of happiness, you know? (laughs) 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 So, you know, like we, we had fun, you know, we had fun, but I, you know, I I think that what I wanted to do was, um, you know, I feel a real sense of, um, I, I always felt, like working at powder was a privilege and and that my job was to um to honor what the people before me had built at powder but also in the ski culture and so i just i think i just wanted something that um really rang true to what people what hardcore powder skiers and seekers felt when they were out there i wanted it to you know them to recognize themselves in in what we were doing and it's not a knock on neil that we had different styles but you know like space aliens and talking dogs to me that wasn't the powder experience (laughs) and powder did really well under him and so you know that was it's just different so i just i think i wanted to you know bring a bit more gravitas to it and and um you know a bit more like pure reflection of what i saw because there's powders just Oh my God, there's so many rich stories within oh. the ski culture that I, you know, they, like our job really, I felt like was to get out of the way and just let them be told. Yeah. Did you, um, quick follow up on that was, it, it's curious to me that there's kind of always been a reflection back to some of the original founders, the Moe's. Um, did you, you know, have, I guess, I don't know if it's pressure or, was this sort of, um, were, were they an active part of the magazine throughout your tenure there? Uh, yes and no. They were not a formal presence. They were, Dave was an informal presence. And so, um, you know, when I talk about trying to honor the, you know, the privilege that I had of, you know, being able to work there, like I had such deep respect for what all of them had built and articulated. Um, and also, you know, what Dave continued to represent as Captain Powder uh-huh. and just as his presence. Um, I actually just got a letter care package from him last week. And, oh, wow. Interesting. With, you know, clippings and, and notes and, you know, and he's always been sort of, you know, very praiseworthy for what we're doing with Adventure Journal. And, you know, Dave is just like, he's, he's all heart and, and he just, he loves life and loves the world and loves people and loves you know power powder to the people and and all that stuff (laughs) and it's just as true now as it was you know in the late 80s early 90s and um and so dave would be around and you know he had a spot in the office in the warehouse and and um you know he'd sometimes he'd been there in one of his costumes or he'd be there as captain powder or whatever he was just (laughs) around and and i felt like he was just I know some people people call him like the mascot, but that doesn't do justice to him. Like he embodied this idealized, you know, realistic. I don't want to use the word naive, but you know, almost naive, uh-huh. you know, belief in the power of powder skiing to change lives uh-huh. for the better. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so, you know, what I wanted to do was what I what I felt like was that, you know, we that was what we needed to do with with our editorial and wherever have powder had been or not been that that um almost childlike 
purity of Stoke. Right. Patterning the debate. Thanks. Cool. So yeah, thanks, Steve. That's uh, you know, it, it really yeah, cool to hear the how you guys have balanced just the kind of both aspects of skiing, right? Where it's you have risk management and you know all the planning and the left brain stuff, but also it it's a blast and it's fun and you have memories, you know, that you can not get anywhere else. And and I think it's it's so cool to hear you really kind of put a finger on how you guys were able to balance, um, you know both aspects of the magazine. And that's why we loved it so much. Uh, I, I, another question for you, um, you know, kind of a dream job being the editor of powder magazine to, to a generation of us skiers. And, you know, we kind of think about all the, all the travel that, that we've done and, and invested in and saved, you know, did paper routes for and, and, and made it happen to go to the places that we'd see in the pages of powder. And I know for Lance, you know, we were, and my, we were fortunate enough to ski in the Alps, you know, years ago. And it's like, we knew kind of where to go, right? It's like, I want to check out La Grave. I want to go to Sham, you know, Th these are the places that really um, Powder did such a good job of like picking out these like little places that were just completely lawless at the time or, or, or whatever. You could do things there that you couldn't do anywhere else in the world. What are some of the like just places that you found yourself traveling um, with Powder that were kind of blew your mind or, or really stood out because I'm sure you've been everywhere in the world, but what are one or two that, that were really uh, special as you look back at your time with powder? I can't tell you that. <laughs> give away my stuff. <laughs> so, and you know, GPS coordinates would be helpful if shoots <laughs> yeah, and things yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk later. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause like, uh, you know, one of the, um, you know, I, well, it's it, it's very interesting being a ski editor, writer, and then like going to a hill. You know, usually you're coordinating with the marketing people. You know, they're giving you a ticket, or it could not be with the local heroes or somebody. You know, right. often or, or you know maybe you know somebody in town. And often the first thing they want to do is sandbag you, like, oh, you're a ski writer. Okay, let's see how well you can ski. <laughs> so that is, was was often. <laughs> often part of the experience um and and then you know another part of the experience a big part of it was the building of trust because like you know the last thing that you want to do is blow somebody's stash right stashes are precious yeah. and you know you want you want people to um you know ultimately you want to make a connection you know and and you know, hopefully make friends and this is a challenge as a ski writer as a journalist because you know your job is to convey whatever that story is um so ideally you, you know you kind of want some independence from the people that you're with so you can say whatever it is that you want to say on the other hand we're celebrating ski culture you know and so um you know i learned early on that you have to often be circumspect um with what you're saying about where you're going and where you're doing and and um whether it's you know at the level of like the sentences that you're writing or the broader perspective of the story that you um are assigning and and you know we you know we were careful without powder and we you know we like we uh there was a a, a ski in france um you know, we did a piece on that we called val Tercet, and and Tercet is secret backwards yes <laughs> and, i remember that um, i remember that that's awesome <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, and I mean, you can make an argument that that's just being disingenuous and kind of cheap to your readers. Like if you're not, if you're going to tell them where it is, don't cover it. 
On the other hand, like a discerning reader would have been able to figure out where it was. And at minimum, it maybe would inspire them to go figure out their own gal, per se. Yeah. So, um, you know, that said, I have certain things that I sort of look for in the area. And, um, you know, my favorite hill, um, you know, is really well, kind of always been Jackson. Um, I, I love the Tetons. Um, I love what the lifts give you access to. I love the there. Um, same, obviously, that Alta, you know, Little Cottonwood gets. So, um, Alta is a great hill. Snowboard's a great hill. God, I mean, if I could have Jackson without the snow, I would never leave, you know. Oh, man. That's, right. um, <laughs> that's heaven right there. So, I mean, you know, the thing is, like, and of course, you know, Mammoth is the closest thing to a local hill for me. And Mammoth okay. is just an amazing amazing mountain but i mean in Indeed. in europe good god like you know like pick a spot you know i mean i Grave is amazing you know sham is amazing um uh verbier of course um and you know i'd say of all of them you know one of my favorites is you know if not the favorite was probably alanya in italy and um you know alanya was uh, a lot like Le Grave, but not even as well known, and yeah. it still isn't. And I don't know if they—I don't think we replaced the tram, but you know, the tram was just so rickety and old, and and um, you know, south-facing. So you know, that's an issue there. But you know, massive vertical ski over the top of the Monte Rosa and went down to Zermatt. You know, and so like there's just—it's connected to everything you can connect to in the Alps. So wow. it's, it's just kind of amazing. I remember um, an article that God, you wrote like, on I mean, that. That was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That was an amazing trip. That was Scott Markowitz shot that. Um, Mike Hatrick was there. Jordy Pfeiffer. Um, uh, who else was there? Um, uh, God, there were so many people that were on that trip. And then um, Trevor Peterson. Oh, and that was actually the last that I saw Trevor because we all were together for like 10 days there. And then um, I still can picture saying goodbye in the village. And then Trevor and Hat went over to Sham. And um, Hat was looking for a day or two. And then I think left. And I came home. And like three days later, I got the call that Trevor was dead. I'm oh, gosh. Like, Wait a minute. Like, we, I, just, I just spent 10 days with him. He can't be dead. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that was a... It was a great time together, and we had amazing, freaking amazing snow. We had giggles that last for 10 days, and, like, you don't ever want to lose a good friend, but if you're, you know, to have that experience, that last experience and have it be so fresh was, you know, definitely a gift. So we were, Trevor was deeply loved by a lot of people, and we were really blessed that we had that, you know, that last time with him. Wow. Wow. So powder, um, one thing, you know, I, I was in, in high school and college when I was, you know, really, um, making sure that skiing continued to be part of my path. And, and, um, the intros were something that I know you, you still have published on a webpage. Um, some of the content that you guys wrote about probably was controversial. I, you know, was probably too naive to really pick up on it, but it certainly was different than other ski publications. 
Um, I remember an, an article, of, um, <clears throat> you know, some letters back to the editor from, you know, maybe some parents, I don't know, that sort of were accusatory that you're in, that you were influencing kids to do dangerous things and, and that sort of thing. Do you have what was the editor or the uh, the reader feedback like? What did you? Is there any articles that that you recall or any coverage that you gave that that um, really lit up the phones or the uh, the writing campaigns to you guys, either positive or negative? Um, you know, not so much. You know, I mean, people uh -huh. had a harder time connecting with you, right? Like you actually had to write a letter. Nobody ever called us. Um, <laughs> you actually had to, you know, you had to write a letter. And so you didn't have that kind of immediate feedback that you do now, uh -huh. you know, and, and we, you know, powder an enthusiast book like that, that is dependent on advertising from the industry is really in a challenging position because, you know, if you bite the hand that feeds you, it might not feed you. But if you don't bite the hand that feeds you occasionally, then you're just, aren't you just a lapdog, right? So, right. you know, like we would pursue stories that we felt were important. You know, I remember mm -hmm. we did a series of megalopolis, like the consolidation of, of uh, ski resort, you know, corporations and the kind of impact that that had on the ski experience. So, you know, and I know that like if, if we were guilty of anything, we were probably, you know, we certainly didn't mean to be elitist. There was a stoke that, you know, for hardcore skiing and for expert level skiing that, you know, I'm sure was interpreted as elitist and maybe, you know, well elitist. And so I know that, you know, we could definitely turn people off, you know, and I know that we could be smarter. You know, those are things that I definitely right. don't do with adventure. You know, I think we're, AJ is a bit more, um, accessible and you know maybe warm and open home you know and i think that there was for sure there was elitism and that elitism extended throughout all of action you know adventure sports and i think you know hurt the sports you know made sports like uh climbing and whatnot and skiing and mountain biking less accessible to a lot of people so mm -hmm. you know but i know from my days there that really it came from not like like this jerry of the day thing like we never did anything like that you know, like that <laughs> You know, I find I find I actually find that really offensive because people who are skiing, they're supporting your way of life, right? Yeah. Maybe they're like, you know a complete idiot or whatever, but like, <laughs> God love them. They paid for a living. <laughs> yeah, they did, they for, they're doing so, it handsomely. Yeah, I, I, you know, they're doing it right, and and so you know, and I, I think the role of a publication is to show people who you know how maybe the experience you know could be experienced, right? Like, and so you don't want to turn people off, but I you know it really was coming from a place of like honest passion for the sport not you know ever need or desire to you know put other people down or make it seem like you know there was only way a way to do it is i think people of power connected power were just so stoked on that experience all that said you know every once in a while we'd ruffle feathers but you know i think that the one um i would say the one thing that probably got more response than anything else was the little areas the rock issue oh really and, and the idea yeah and the idea of like you know, there's something that's really powerful about labeling, right? And mm -hmm. um, I, I I can remember, like, uh, when we came up with the idea, came up with the phrase, it's like, okay, like, this really sort of captures the essence of this one part of skiing that we love so much. Little areas that rock. Like, I mean, like, yeah. what more What more can you say about it? Like, if you, if you get it, you get it. You know immediately, like, what that's all about. And so... Um, you know, once that got out there in the world, I think it sort of helped people like 
like local pride. It gave like this hook that people could hang their local pride on that they didn't necessarily have before. It was like, hell yeah. <laughs> right. my, my, I got to, I got to pass it a little, a little area of rock. Yeah. Like, right. It doesn't have to be Squaw Valley or not Bale or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so that one just seemed to like, it really kind of tapped into um, this, this zeitgeist and pride that was out there. And like so many things that we did, it was like, we didn't make it up. We just saw it. And, yeah. you know, and we were able to like bring a label to it that helped people, you know, maybe hang on to it a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, I remember um, Glenn Plate kind of followed up on that, not necessarily followed up on your work, but he had a, a down home tour or something along those lines that had him visiting some of those places. Right. Right. And the down, the down home tour was amazing. He did that for years and, you know, Warren Miller is credited with, you know, probably being the biggest, you know, cheerleader ever for skiing. And that's probably true. But I would argue that Plake is probably, you know, the number two because he, you know, he physically, he and his wife, Kimberly, you know, they, they physically went and skated in all these places. And, you know, I skied with Plake, you know, up here, at the little local hill in Big Bear, you know, and watched him doing ballet tricks. And like, he's just like the Pied Piper. He had this pack of people following him down the hill you know and it was yeah just, he he really inspired people on a very personal face-to-face basis and um and that's awesome. you know that's old school yeah yeah, yeah. If anyone's going to bring ballet skiing back it's going to be plague right <laughs> yeah i've never hurt awesome. myself so bad as trying to make ballet turns follow it's a it's a lot of leverage on the old acl <laughs> oh my god the hips and the knees <laughs> yeah. yeah um can you tell us what your if you were to I, maybe a little plug for some of your work the powder intros.com uh for our listeners is a collection of all the intros that you wrote during your time at powder any of those that stand out to you before i reveal the one that stands out to me <laughs> um what well, no you tell me first okay i'll tell you first it kind of touches on what you were saying, and, and it's it's really interesting to hear you say that your intent wasn't to be a uh, an elitist publication, and and you know the coverage that you just gave us on that. It was one about you hopping on the chair with a couple guys at Snowshoe in West Virginia who were um, perhaps of the redneck variety, and they had chew can rings in their pocket, and you were a little like kind of kind of upset that it was drizzling, and and um, you know, but. But at the by the end of the chair ride, you, you know, you figured out that they had the right attitude and you chased them on down the mountain instead of going in. I just I don't know why that one just has resonated with me ever since I read it. Yeah, it's a, that's it, it's, it's a good lesson, right? You know, like, like you just like, <laughs> dude, you're skiing. <laughs> like, what do you want? Like you're, you're skiing. And, you know, there was just this the stoke and the gratitude that they had for being there um you know was really powerful for me because you know like i'd gone back home to visit my parents in dc and you know it was like it was just was like crappy conditions by the standards that i'd by my snobbery that i'd come from you know <laughs> being in the west and and um you know i wasn't complaining about sort of the you know, it was like just cold and wet and kind of miserable you know and it's like no way man i'm, I'm making turns yeah <laughs> so yeah. um yeah so, you know, the one that I hear a lot um, is uh, about having a ski partner. 
because uh-huh, uh-huh. you know i i didn't live it i didn't live at a hill and you know and so i didn't you know wasn't I, I was always moving i was always going to different ski areas and i had friends and i had people that i partnered with and you know i like my cat hatrick my cat and i did a lot of trips together um hmm. many many trips over many many years but it, you know it's not like they like what you know Trevor and Eric Behoda had, you know, where uh-huh. you just have a regular go-to person and, you know, like having a climbing partner. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I wrote about, you know, kind of like my desire for that and, you know, how I, I didn't have that and I would have loved to have had that. And, and I think that that, um, I know that seemed to resonate for people a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cool. you know, there's some that I've, I've looked at and I'm like, cringe but you know i think my favorite one um is the very last one that i wrote and oh yeah because it it uh you know it happened after i i wrote it after i lost my job so you know i i lost my job in 98 so we powder was owned by a company called for better living inc it was very sort of closely held and uh ultimately the owner decided to put it out there for did and it was bought by um, basically Peterson Publishing, which had been taken over by an investment group. So they just didn't care about quality or people or or anything. And so you know, like a lot of the management, um, you know, they they cleaned house, and so you know they got rid of me and a bunch of other people. And so I uh, I asked so John Brzee had been my number two at Powder, and so he took over for me. And so I just. I said to John, you know, I didn't, I would really like the opportunity just to sort of say goodbye in my, my own way and write hmm. my, you know, my last intro, if, if that's okay with you, even though I don't work there anymore. And he, he was very gracious and, um, and he said, sure. And so, you know, I, I wrote about, um, I wrote about this professor um, at Caltech who, he's a physicist, but um, his lifelong fascination has been with snowflakes and he, built this machine in a lab where he could grow snowflakes. And hmm. his idea was that he wanted to create this Rosetta stone for snowflakes. Like if it's X temperature and X humidity, then this is how a snowflake grows. And if it changes, this is what happens to a snowflake. So he wanted to be able to go and take any snowflake that fell out of the sky and be able to go, oh, these are the conditions that created it. And so I went up and I spent hours with them up in Pasadena. And, oh, wow. and, um, and, I, and I wrote about that experience. And, it, you know, I can't really sort of translate it to, you just have to sort of go on the site and read it. But I, I wrote about, I connected sort of this idea of snowflakes and, and all this, you know, the amount of snowflakes in the, the world, the universe, and back to the original kind of spirit of powder, and how I felt about powder, and, and ultimately what I felt, um, you know, the powder experience, both the ski experience and the magazine experience, sort of mm-hmm. what all of that meant, like what all that was about. And I, I think it was, it was nice, you know, like I didn't really yeah. want to leave my job, but like to be able to have that experience of, a, you know, I had a few weeks um, afterward to reflect and to think and, you know, sort of try to, try to pull it together in a way that, you know, didn't feel necessarily like direct, but it would also feel optimistic. So, right. Yeah. Well, I saw that it was uh, that you sent in a resubmission of that in Powder's very final print um, print issue, and um, so I've I've read that recently, and it's a it's an amazing work. Yeah, that's Thank that's you. really cool, Steve. I I you know the line that jumped out is is when that professor at Caltech you know told you, hey, what we know about snowflakes is a tiny fraction of what we don't know, and 
you know, that line really kind of captures what skiing is for a lot of us, right? Like, why do we keep going back? Like we just, you know, time with, with friends in the outdoors, you know, all of the many details of skiing, all of the experiences we haven't had yet. It just, that was really cool how you tie that in. So, and that's one of the right. reasons I have Thank that you. issue still <laughs> right here. Thanks. Well, Steve, we, uh, we appreciate this time with you. Um, thanks so much. You've been generous. You've been insightful. It's just been an absolute pleasure to, to hear your voice and to, uh, to be able to share your experiences, particularly at powder with our, uh, with our listeners. Um, I, arguably Mike and I were talking about this. We may not have this podcast if it weren't for you and people like you who have gone out of their way to share, you know, the soul of skiing and, and, you know, less of the mechanics and, and more about the experience that's hard to put in just a few words. Well, isn't that it? I mean, you know, like you know, somebody put it really well, like, you know, skiing is pretty fundamental. It's left, right, or straight, right? Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's, in its simplest terms. And so we can appreciate that and we can appreciate the wind on our face and, you know, the feeling of, you know, getting buried and, you know, facial and all that sort of stuff. But like, I think most of us are, you know, we, we're all searching for meaning in our lives and, you know, we're searching for the whys of the things and, and, you know, a lot of enthusiast magazines and social media threads and all, they don't, they're not really interested in the why they are interested in the mechanics of it. And the, the why and, and all of the different answers that you get as you talk to all of these people, you know, that's where it gets really interesting and that's where you get the depth to it. So yeah. um, it's, Oh, man, I really appreciate the time that you've given me. I mean, it's fun to just talk about skiing and to think about skiing. And we, you know, we all love it so much. And there are so many people that really are incredibly passionate, but also very smart and insightful and in touch with why they're doing it. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's an endless conversation, right? So really um, I'm stoked with what you guys are doing. And I'm, I appreciate you uh, being interested in inviting me on. Hey, well, thanks a lot. Uh, anything else, Mike? No, that's it. Uh, thanks, Steve. This this is going to be a favorite episode for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, really appreciate your time. So. Yeah. Well, let's put our tips up and raise that bar and get off this lift. On the Lift podcast is a production of Runaway Dumpster, LLC. Visit us at ontheliftpodcast.com, where you can listen to back episodes of the podcast. You'll also find show notes, feedback box, and our call-in number. 